Well, welcome everybody to episode 29 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. This week, we've got a very F1-centric podcast because the Hungarian Grand Prix happened this past Sunday at the Hungaro Ring. And it we're going to do our best not to go way over our kind of usual time, but holy crap, there, there was so much. I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't <clears throat> think we necessarily have time to recap qualifying. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. We don't. There was just so much that happened in the race. I mean, it's important, I guess, to know the qualifying just to have an idea of like how people were lined up. But essentially, Lewis was Lewis was in first, right? Uh, And then you had was it Valtteri second? Yeah, I think he was second. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So Valtteri was second. Verstappen was third. Lando Norris was fourth. So it was that was. That's kind of what you need to know, I guess. Um, I think so. That covers it. So the race started and it was wet. Yeah, it was raining. Everybody was not qualifying. It was super hot out. Sunny, super hot out. Right. So very different from the qualifying session. Everybody was on. They weren't on full wets, but they were on the intermediate compound tire that has more tread, is, is meant to be used when it's damp out. Um, which it wasn't like pouring down rain, but it was damp. There, yeah. there was spray coming off the cars. It was yeah, the track was greasy. Yeah, so they take off. Hamilton gets a good. He gets a. He gets off the line really well. It, he's in first, coming up to the first corner, which is a fairly tight right hander, and Botas did not get away well at all. He had a lot of wheel spin, right. and Lando gets around him. Yep. Botas goes into the first corner, wheels lock up, he loses control, slams into the back of Lando, and then pinball proceeds to pinball into both Red Bulls. While yeah. Lando, I think, took out Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Uh and then there was another someone also hit Daniel Ricardo. He was able to continue the race. But in turn mm-hmm. one, you had Botas, Leclerc. Lando no, no, it was, um, yeah, it was, um, what was it? It was, um, uh, the other Aston, um, Lance Stroll. Stroll. Yeah. yeah. He so cooked, uh, the Ferrari, he cooked him. <laughs> yeah. He got, he got pinballed into, into Leclerc. So in one corner, Stroll is out. Lando's out. Botas obviously is out. Perez is out. And Verstappen had significant damage to the right side of his car. His his suspension was still working, but the under the under tray of his car and the side of his car was messed up. There were he he yeah. actually had pieces of his under tray coming off. <laughs> yeah. After after the collision. <laughs> so in you know, two straight races basically, you've had Mercedes, you know, take out <laughs> the Red Bull yeah. cars. I think that's why I think that's why, you know, there was some commentary. I don't know if it was in qualifying or when it was where like Lewis was getting, you know, booed or something. And yeah, and Valtteri was like, oh, oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. shouldn't be doing that. And the thing is, yeah. I think it's just because of a little bit of frustration from from some of us. Like, well, you were you a little bit frustration to me about it, like immediately. I'm, I'm not saying like I'm a huge Max fan. Yeah, but I just tend to root for the team who isn't the you know the Patriots the yeah. and the Yankees, like because I just want to see something different. 
I want to see new people on the podium. And so to me, it was, it was like infuriating beginning just from the standpoint of like, okay, so this is pretty typical, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we cooked both of the, um, Red, Red Bulls. Bulls, they're out, and then mm-hmm. there goes Lewis. Yeah, Got free, clean, clean air. air. Yep, <laughs> not a, and that's you know to to be honest, like the importance of you know qualifying and being on pole position is because you can avoid the avoid fray. the shenanigans. Yeah, I and I, obviously I don't think like Valtteri was intending for that to happen, but no, I think he yeah. probably just was kind of panicky knowing yeah. that. This could be maybe my last year. Mm-hmm. I got in a, you know, kind of typical Valtteri. I had like some crazy laps put up in qualifying. Mm-hmm. I've got a shitty start and yeah. now I'm panicking and I've got to try to make some places up here. So I'm going to break late. Yeah. And I don't know if his brain just had like not registered the fact yet because they hadn't done mm-hmm. like a ton of practice or yeah, you know, in the wet driving in these conditions, but right. his brain just obviously just forgot to adjust for that, and he yeah. just uh, and from there, yeah, everybody it, basically everybody is screwed. Yeah, it it was. I mean, because it happened so far at the front of the pack, you knew the rest of the race was going to be set up for something interesting. Because with the exception of Lewis, all the top contenders are out. I mean, yeah. look, look at who's been on the podium recently. It's been Hamilton, yep. Verstappen, Botox, Norris has been on there, North, yeah. Leclerc, Perez. Um, Perez. So a lot yeah. of <laughs> usual suspects, all gone. you like to say, are gone. That's the usual suspects. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so it was so the because of the amount of debris on the track, they red flag the session. Which I was actually, you know, like after it happened, I just mm-hmm. thought, okay. Red Bull screwed again. They just got screwed, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of bad luck. I get that. To some extent, this is just unfortunate bad luck. Yeah. But I just thought, please red flag this mm-hmm. so they can repair his car and maybe we can have an interesting race. Because at that point, yeah, I just thought as I was sitting there watching the beginning of this, before it even started in my brain, I just thought, this is going to happen. Like, it right. is all going to go to hell in these conditions. Yeah. I, think. Wanna, yeah. I think it was... Oh, um, was like one of the announcers this weekend, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Nico and, Rosberg. He and he yeah. did really well, man. I he, he I provided so a lot of really interesting insight. He basically alluded to this. He's like, "This is not going to go well." You know, mm-hmm. they haven't done a lot of racing with these tires. Yeah, and in these, it's a tight track. It's yeah. actually a fairly tight track. Going to be a mess. Yeah. Well, I you know not to go off on a tangent, but. I Rosberg really impressed me because not only did he provide a lot of enthusiasm and insight, you know, but he also it was kind of like watching if you watch football at all, like when Tony Romo calls a football game and he is so insightful and he will tell you what is about to happen in the play. And then it plays out exactly like that. And and he did that uh, later in the race when he did when um Hamilton was going for an overtake. He was like, Lewis is going to set him up in the fir- in turn one. He's going to go and he's going to pass him on the outside uh, on turn two. And that's exactly what he did. And that's one of those things that, you know, I, I love watching F1. You know, I'm somewhat knowledgeable about racing and stuff, but not, you know, to any significant yeah. level. So having someone like that basically say, like, 
here's what he's going to do and here's how he's going to do it and then see it happen like a few laps later you're like holy crap i love the you know the british announcers they're Mm -hmm. great yeah they've got great enthusiasm and they're funny martin brundle is great yeah that insight was really fascinating and like you it kept playing out yeah like i I don't even know some of his other comments he made but you know i remember his co-announcer was like you know why do you think Lewis is going to do that? And it wasn't about the past, it was about something else. And Nico's like, I was his teammate. <laughs> like, I know how he thinks. <laughs> yeah, you know? true. You know, and, and then there was like a little bit of contact. I yeah. think it was between like Mick and Verstappen. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, when like, Mick was no. defending, when Schumacher like, was defending the place. I'm not worried about that. He's like, no, that's nothing. That's fine. That's just racing. You know, like, yeah. whereas you know the other announcers, they would have hemmed and hawed about oh, it for yeah. a couple minutes. I mean, they should review that. And he's like, no, that was good. Clean yeah, racing. Yeah. That's clean racing. Yeah, he's defending his position. Um, yep. But anyways, yeah, like I said, not to get on a tangent, but Rossberg, yeah. I, I would love to see him. I don't know why Brundle wasn't at the race. I do love yeah, Brundle's commentary, but uh, it was really cool hearing kind of a different, you know, I could see him doing other stuff. Like I know Nico lives in Monaco, so I could see him like doing the, the Monaco Grand Prix or something as well. Yeah, I hope yeah. I hope he is featured again. Yeah. He no, he's he's very he's a very entertaining, likable guy, and uh, I still love that he retired after winning the championship. Yeah. So Lewis couldn't take it back. He gets it, man. He gets it. He knew. He knew. This he knew it. what this was up. So yeah, so the the sessions red flagged, and in a really fascinating turn of events, the in the time it takes, so it's red flagged for what twenty five thirty minutes. Well, yeah, basically, yeah. They come back out. Long yeah, it wasn't so super long, but they come out on the formation lap to get back onto the oh, yeah. and the track has completely, <laughs> completely dried out. Dried out. out, totally dried it out. And George Russell comes over the radio and to we his team and he's here. at this rate, everyone is coming in to change tires because they're all still on the intermediates. And then guess and who didn't? The one person who didn't. <laughs> Why did they do the that? The smartest guys in the room. <laughs> yeah, the smartest guys in the room. Lewis Hamilton decides he what his plan is. He he wants to. Everybody goes into pit. He is literally the only one on the grid for the restart. His plan, so best I can tell, is they think we're going to go off like a shot. We're going to try and get a. 25 to 30 second gap to the second place car because everyone has to come out of the pits right yeah. so they're all going to be going at a slow speed until they get to the end of pit lane so he's like I, if i can get a 25 to 30 second gap i can get yeah, the undercut on all of them i can yeah. pit get my new tire get my you know whatever medium compound whatever they're going to do get my medium compound tires on get back out i've got one lap fresher medium compound tires in the whole rest of the field and I didn't lose a place. That was their plan. But that's they, not how the plan that's uh-huh. not how it worked at all. He didn't have the <laughs> that pace was awesome, for that. actually. <laughs> uh people are you know I I don't remember what the gap was, but he did not have a sufficient gap when he pitted and he actually <laughs> came out of the pits in last place. <laughs> well and honestly, honestly, when that happened, I thought we're going to actually have a great race today. Yeah. Because you, you knew the they're going to have to work fast. for it. Yeah. He's yeah, going to work exactly. like, back through the pack. Probably going to be able to claw through the pack to some degree. So we're mm-hmm. going to have like a great race. And we did. Right. Yeah. I mean, he 
he, you know, he had a phenomenal race, you know, but he was kind of getting held up by traffic at different points. It's and a t- it's in, a hard track to pass on. It's a hard track to pass on. It is one of the big F1 tracks, but it's actually fairly narrow and it's fairly constrained by aerodynamics. You know, we talked on the last yeah. episode about how much downforce or how much, you know, aero these guys lose when they get close to a competitor, you know, up to 50%. And that is critical for being able to pass. And so on this track, they lose that a lot. And it was actually, you know, how important aerodynamics was kind of driven home to me by a comment from Carlos Sainz on the radio that the the TV helicopter, the camera helicopter was flying too low and generating turbulence and actually causing them to lose downforce and and <laughs> such that Carlos could tell it was happening and he he yeah. said like tell the tell the TV helicopter to like go higher and <laughs> Get a higher altitude <laughs> i just that, that that comment i was like holy crap these cars are so sensitive to just the slightest changes in downforce it's amazing oh yeah and i was um, really impressed with his um his insight you know just throughout yeah. the race he was basically like no 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 we need to stay out you know, at he one made point, a hell of a call. Yeah, yeah, like super, team super him great strategy. His team called him into box. He said, "No, I'm. You know, we shouldn't box. I, I'm still good. Leave me out here." He stayed out yeah. for a few more laps. He actually gained some positions. He ended up finishing third. Did really well. But you know, that was a kind of a not a rare case, but a case where a driver stuck to his guns. And overruled the team, despite the team right. presumably knowing, you know, the bigger picture of what's going on. And he was right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, signs for me continues to just impress in, in my I Ferrari. Agree. I mean, he's doing better. He's so consistent. Once he figured out that car, he's he's challenging Leclerc at times, both in qualifying yeah. and and in the and on race day. I mean, he's just a incredibly impressive driver. Yeah. Um, and seems to be a real team player, man. I, I he seems like a decent guy. But yeah, so anyways, Hamilton's making his way back up through the field. Um, at different times, you know, Mick Schumacher's doing some defense. Um, but the real, the the drama in the race was the fact that since Lewis came out in last, guess who's in first? Esteban Ocon. Of, yeah. Of Alpine. yeah, like someone that is just a solid always in the middle of the pack dude he hadn't run, he hadn't won a, a single seater race since he, his gp3 days and so to his credit he drove beautifully I, he was sebastian vettel was in second for the vast yeah. majority of the race and was putting i mean doing what you expect sebastian vettel of old to do like putting him under pressure every single chance he got he was again you know he came over the radio at the end you know said we had a faster car. He just, you know, the, again, the loss of downforce whenever he would try and pass Ocon really held him up, but drove incredibly well. Those two provided us with a really wonderful race, kind of cat and mouse game, seeing if Ocon would stay in front. And the biggest point for me in the race, and I think for a lot of people, was Hamilton was, they the, the Merck is obviously the fastest car on remaining in the field in this race at this point he's yeah he had gone in and got like fresh you know medium tires at some point yeah i think it was like late in the race like in the late 40s or something yeah exactly (laughs) um so he's charging through the field and 
who's sitting in fifth place, but Ocon's teammate Fernando Alonso. <laughs> and that's the guy, man. I that mean, is one of the best just, defensive drivers in F1's history. Bingo. I think you put you put the 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 hammer on the nail. I just mm-hmm. think I was so excited to see that because I'd seen how feisty he had been he, in past races yep. and how difficult it's been for people to get around him. And I was it's like, not like giving up position going to be awesome. Yeah. And he drug that out for like 10 effing laps. Yeah. He, and if he had not done that, yeah. Hamilton would have won that race. 100%. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. I, because the, the Mercedes, I don't think signs is going to defend that aggressively. I don't think Vettel might have defended that aggressively. It's tough yeah. to know. But Lewis's pace was such that he was he was going to catch Ocon, and there was a, a graphic that went up when the you know when Lewis was coming through they they would have this graphic like you know X number yeah. of laps and he would be passing so and so. Well, they they said you know striking distance to Alonso yeah. was three laps yeah. and he would he would get past him, and then like you said like ten laps go by and he's like finally gets by him yeah and the only reason it happened it's like you know on the straights basically the Mm -hmm. the merc is quick yeah so he's got drs and i don't you know whoever was in front of alonso at that point was too far out so alonso didn't get drs right so basically he had to like kind of break late into that first turn and eventually he finally slightly locked up and that's Mm -hmm. that's what hamilton needed to get around him because i think honestly if he had not locked up he'd have kept him behind him again for another yeah it was on so it was on the front straight the pit straight going into that tight right hand turn one and and like you said hamilton's got drs he's got a faster car anyways so yeah. Hamilton knows he's got to try and break late and keep Hamilton yeah. to the to because the the turn one is a right hander and it sets up into a kind of a long left hand, and so Lonzo knows he's got to protect for the second <laughs> for for turn yeah. two he's got to maintain exactly, that yeah. <laughs> so he breaks late unfortunately locks his front left tire and recovering from that gave Lewis just yeah. the little inch he needed to get in front. You know, and, uh, oh, and even before we get to get to that, though, I just want to like just I just want to give a shout out for him, man. It's <laughs> yeah. just awesome because yeah, he was doing stuff that like nobody else does. I mean, he mm-hmm. would subtly kind. Of, it just seemed to me like he'd subtly kind of juke a little bit to the left, make yeah. you think he's going that way. So he hasn't yeah. declared that he's taken that as his racing line, and then boom, he shoots back over right. Yeah. I saw like, oh, I think he's going left. And then, yeah. then, you know, he's like, he just totally screws him over. I I love it. The title of of one of the articles on about the race was the Alonzo taught Hamilton the real racing line. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's fun to see, you know, 40-year-old Fernando Alonso, multiple time world champion, just freaking scrapping it up. Like he he can still drive the wheels off a car given the opportunity. <laughs> that was that I think for me was probably my favorite part of the race. Yeah. Yeah. It was I so just, exciting. I don't know if it's like I think it was just experience. Like the young mm-hmm. guys it's like oh Lewis Hamilton's coming up. Like yeah, they're, they're intimidated to some degree. 
Yeah. You know, he's going to pass me. And Alonso is like, uh, he's going to, yeah, he's going to work to pass me, buddy. I don't care how many times champion you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to irritate you. And that's like, you know, you know, even on the radio, Lewis is just like, oh, you know, he's just, that's not the, very dangerous what he's doing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to tee him up for trying to, trying to draw attention to it, you know. But, you know, he's the, just frustrated, you know, because, yeah, yeah, like, he's making it difficult for you. Sorry, this is real racing. You know, you know? and that's the beauty of it is, like, to someone that really isn't paying a lot of attention, they would look at the race and say, well, why are we showing the race for fifth? What's exciting about trying to get fifth place? And it's like, no, that is that was the most important part of the race because that really was a victory for his teammate. And, you know, so Ocon did end up winning. And on yeah. the radio message afterwards, uh, you know, his his um, engineer and race engineer. Thank you. Basically said uh, it was kind of interesting. So over the team radio, you could hear Alonzo being interviewed by one of the the, you know, new the f1 analysts and they told uh they told him he was man of the you know driver of the day and you could hear them talking back and forth whatever so Ocon, after that that interview is done Ocon comes over the radio to his race engineer and said did did alonso get third and he goes no he got fifth but he's probably the reason you won because he held lewis up for an extremely long time and and Ocon goes back he goes what a legend. He's like, he's like definitely man of the day. <laughs> oh, what a legend. That's awesome, man. You know, yeah. I thought it was so cool at the end of the race, you know, when kind of both of them were running around the ring next to one another. Oh, in yeah. The Alpines. Because it's like, that's and what Alonso it was like pointing at him, like, you know. Yeah, like you did it. But it's man, like, you, you that's it, what you, you want it. with that teamwork. Yeah. You know, this kind of the bullshit you always run into with the Red Bull teams, where it's like they, this they're kind of teammates, but this is basically Max Verstappen's show and get out of the way. Yeah. You know, whereas like with what they were doing, like that's, mm-hmm. you know, where teamwork can make it happen. Really? You know, I've, yeah. I've said to you like jokingly, you know, why the hell doesn't Gasly or, you know, Sonoda, mm-hmm. you know, you know, put a front wing into the back of one of the Merck's tires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, to yeah. rattle their cage like, hey, buddy, this can work both ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it it's true. I mean, Alonzo on the team radio afterwards was, you know, he was saying how happy he was for Esteban and how proud he was for the team. And, and you know, I mean, yeah. these guys really put their heart and soul into it, and, and it was awesome to see. And on that same subject, so Williams got their first. They did. Point in like three years both latifi nicholas latifi and george russell got championship instructor points for the team which is awesome for them you know they've been working their asses off trying to improve that car and i mean they've they've been doing it you know george russell i agree they have getting into q2 yeah consistently mr saturday as they say yeah (laughs) so you know Awesome for them, but I was extremely impressed by something that George said during the race. I don't know if you heard this communication. So Nicholas Latifi, I think, was running like third. At this oh, point. yeah. No, I know exactly. And George was in, I think, seventh. Yeah. And he basically came over the team radio and he said, he said, prioritize Nikki, aka, you know, Nicholas yeah. Latifi. He said, prioritize Nikki. He's like, whatever you need me to do, if you need me to pit early to prevent the undercut. Yeah. You know. This if you is need to compromise race. my race, do if it. If you need to compromise my race, do it. 
this is because he's thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay in the points, but Latifi has a chance for the team to get points. And, and yeah, we need exactly. to, we need to do whatever we need to do to, to, to guarantee those points. And I just, I mean, that these guys have all been competing their butts off against each other since they were 10 year olds in go-karts, you know, but they get the bigger picture but when the opportunity's there. You yeah. Know, I mean, George, George has shown he's as, he's as cutthroat a, a competitor as anybody when he got his chance in the Mercedes last year and he can drive, you know, anything and be fast, but it spoke volumes about his character to me that he was like, whatever we need to do for the team to be successful today, even if it tanks my race, do it. I I just yeah. thought that was so impressive. Me too. I've, I've been impressed with him for a long time. He's a good guy. So he's he's a great driver. Seems like a, a from by all accounts a wonderful human being. So it's easy guy to root for, which is awesome. And uh, it would make it hard if he goes to Mercedes because then I'd have to root for a Mercedes driver. But you know, so the race ends. You know, Seb after you know chasing Ocon for like forty some laps gets second really great great result for Aston Martin with Stroll you know unfortunately crashing out in the first lap they were able to get really good points they thought they thought <laughs> so, I thought so too I didn't know this yeah. I had to go to work and so I didn't yeah. hear about it this until you text me and I was just like wait what the hell just happened yeah so <laughs> unfortunately so on the on the on the la- so after finishing after crossing the finish line you know everybody basically does another lap and then comes into, you know, park for May, uh, where the cars are secured and inspected, uh, for any irregularities or whatever after the race and Vettel's car on that kind of last lap, trying to get back to the, to park for May, his car ran out of gas. <laughs> so he actually had to like run back to, you know, the pit area. Well, unfortunately, there's a rule that the FIA has that you have to supply a sample of fuel for testing after the race to make sure there's not any, you know, any shenanigans going on with tainted fuel or spiked fuel or, you know, who knows what they could do with, with that. So they need like, I believe a liter of fuel to provide for a sample. Well, Vettel's engine was well and truly empty. So his penalty for not having any fuel for the FIA to test was disqualification. Loses <laughs> loses second place, loses the trophy, no points for Aston Martin. And but if you're a bowling ball, no big deal. That's what kills me. So I no a rule's a rule. The team knows the team knows it exists. They should they should, you know, know better. But it's a question of does the punishment fit the crime? Like if you steal a loaf of bread, should you be going to prison for 30 years? No. So he gets disqualified. Valtteri Botas's punishment for driving too aggressively, losing uh, control. Millions and millions and millions of dollars of damage. <laughs> yeah. Taking out four other drivers who would have been competing for the podium is a five place grid penalty for the next race and the reality is the mercedes is fast enough if he gets i think if he gets second or third in qualifying and has to start seventh or eighth he's going to be back up in third or fourth you know within three laps that's what so, i mean i think that's what's like so just, irritating to yeah. so many people is it's like 
it just feels sometimes like they're just helping Mercedes. Like, yeah, you know, the the token penalty for Hamilton last weekend. Right. Not that yeah. maybe there was a great solution to that, but again, this the token penalty. It's like if right. you want to really penalize these guys, you need to look and you need to say what what are they doing all season long? Mm-hmm. Like you just said, what fits the the crime or the issue? Yeah. Put those guys in last place. Because yeah. you know what? They're probably still gonna make it all the way back up in a third place anyways. You know, make them yeah. work for or or dock them points. I mean, the one thing that that they can't immediately recover from is taking away constructors' points. Yeah, you know? I mean that's it, it. Yeah, they ruin the race for their closest competitors. Like Max, I didn't really get into this, but you know they tried to repair the damage during the red flag, but the reality was his his car was never really the same, and the best he could do was was ended up in ninth. And that's what I mean. Like, I, I know I'm being dramatic here, but I just feel like we've had these two scenarios that have been bad luck, probably at the end of the day. It's probably right. just bad luck, but it is totally screwed over Red Bull. And I'm just yeah, they've gotten two points in the last two races. And I'm just like really excited to not have a Mercedes at the top of the constructors this year, kind mm-hmm. of a year yeah. where you don't have to see the Yankees or the Patriots at the top. Yeah. And that's just refreshing. And so I'm, I think I'm just overreacting to all this, this stuff, but I'm just sick of seeing those guys at the top. Yeah. Just give me a year off. You yeah, know? I know. It, it feels is. like, like, um, you know, f- universal fate is just pulling us back towards a, a Mercedes another effing yeah. championship. Nothing yeah. wrong with Lewis Hamilton. I really like the guy. And then, you know, a Mercedes constructor championship. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's it's frustrating <laughs> as as someone that you know you generally want to root for the underdog to see the favorite also having all the luck is really frustrating. I I think yeah. that's understandable. And um, I don't so I don't know like you know there was talk of well maybe the maybe the person causing the accident should pay the bill for everybody and it's like yeah I don't think that's a solution. I mean it's racing. I, well, I you saw know, it like, brought up. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think that's the solution. I do think that an interesting element of this that I didn't really consider is, you know, there have been two, there are now two trashed, completely trashed and one partially trashed Red Bull cars in the last two races. And when we have, you know, the implementation of significant cost spending caps, that's going to start mattering when you're talking $10 million to build one of those cars. That's what I was alluding to. You know, if you want to even the field, you say to, you know, Yuki or Pierre, Hey, you know, put that wing into one of the Mercedes, you know, accidentally (laughs) race so we can total one of their cars out so we can even the playing field. I, you know, I think that they made that kind of, those kind of shenanigans illegal, you know, or, you know, Back in the yeah, day, I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's but. like some NASCAR stuff. And <laughs> but I'm I, getting close. I think a lot of people are getting close the to frustration like, levels, right? I mean, upset to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, all I can think of is you have these, you have these amazing races and this incredible drama. We still have a good amount of the season left, but I just keep 
thinking like, I can't wait to see how this plays out on Drive to Survive <laughs> next oh, season. God, yeah, what yeah. a season, right? One other uh, thing I want to just mention from the race. <clears throat> yeah. Well, people that I'm still a little bit worried about, you know, in terms of like for next year would be mm-hmm. Ricardo. Yeah. Um, you know, not great. And then yeah. also Valtteri. I kind of wonder, Yeah, you know, I remember seeing him sitting on the, you know, the barricade, the tire barricade. And I'm sure mm-hmm. he's thinking in his mind, like there, you know, that's it. Like yeah. total is going to be like, <laughs> we're done, man. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like this was the best possible result for Mercedes. So I, I don't know. Verstappen's Red Bull got two points. You know, Perez didn't get any. And Hamilton, you know, got second place. So they had a net positive, significantly positive in the constructors points. And, and a you net know, positive that, for their, for their star driver. I, I agree with that. It is true, but... The point is, like, that was a massive issue caused by Val- Valtteri, yeah. and it really could have gone very south for both of them. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it I mean, they couldn't have predicted that that was going to turn out well, but I, I, I think I've kind of wondered this the last two, three races. So, like, early on in the season, Valtteri was like, seemed to be turning the screws to Lewis, not wanting to give up position, not wanting to follow team orders, all that kind of stuff. And his tune has changed in the last few races. Like, and I don't, you know, there's been obviously this BS with, you know, all the racism directed at Lewis on social media and particularly from after the, the accident with Max, which is reprehensible. And so I don't know if he's yeah, kind of yeah. realizing like he should be a good teammate and like step up yeah. and defend Lewis, which is appropriate, or if he's doing this with an ulterior motive of like, I need to make sure I protect my drive. He was like, you said in, in, in the qualifying after qualifying, he said it, you know, at the news conference, like you shouldn't do Lewis. Like, you know, he's a phenomenal driver who did this amazing lap and people are booing him. And it's like, all that's true, but I don't think Valtteri at the start of the season or one or two races in when he had the points lead would have been saying that. (laughs) True. I think think he's kind of in the same, I, I think you're right. I think he's kind of in the same mentality of like, Oh, I need to make sure George Russell isn't in my seat next year. Yeah. What, what are your, what are your thoughts on Ricardo at this point? I, you know, Ricardo's had some good results recently. I think, you know, he finished 11th in this race, but he also got hit. So I don't, I'm not sure if his car was, if he was in the same position as Max, where like, you know, <clears throat> these cars are so aerosensitive that like, if his, you know, if something on his car got slightly damaged and it was costing him, say, 0.5 seconds a lap compared to what his normal pace would have been, that's the difference in F1. That's the difference between a third place and an 11th place. I don't so, remember at what point I saw this metric, but maybe it was in qualifying. Yeah, I think it might have been in qualifying, like when they were looking at their times and they basically Mm -hmm. said, you know, Norris goes into these corners a lot faster than than Danny does. Mm -hmm. And it's it's literally costing him a second a lap. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, that profound difference when mm -hmm. you are a constructor 
yeah. you're hoping you get this sorted out at some point during the season. But if yeah. it doesn't happen, it's kind of like a an Alex, you know, Albon situation again, mm -hmm. where you're like, this performance gap is too big. Unacceptable, yeah. I, so yeah. do you shake it up? Do you give him another season? I mean, it's obviously I, he's taking some time to kind of get the car sorted out, but mm -hmm. he really should be able to, he should theoretically be closer to Lando than where he is right now because he's a I, good driver. And I don't yeah. think Lando is like that astronomically better than him. He's very, I, very yeah. good. I agree. I, I think it's two things for me still. I mean, one, he may, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's lost his mojo a little bit, but I, I think you've got two things. One, Lando may as well have been born in that car. He's been in that car and been giving feedback on that car since he's been in F1. And he was fairly early on kind of the anointed one with Zach Brown at McLaren. So, you know, they've been making that car for him, kind of like we've talked about in the past with Max yeah, at Red Bull. But the other thing is, you know, I, I go back to what Carlos Sainz said to Daniel in like preseason testing after signs moved to Ferrari from McLaren, he, he's, he, he kind of made the comment to Daniel, like cars kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, so <laughs> there, and, and I mean that I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to that effect and basically implying like this, that car handles strangely. And it's obviously something that Lando has learned how to deal with and exploit. And Daniel is still, I think, figuring that out. That being said, you know, F1 is just like any other sport. It's a results game. And if they hired you to help them win a, you know, get third or second, even in the constructors championship, and you're consistently getting results that are less than what they would have predicted. And, and you're losing points essentially because of that. And maybe you lose out to Ferrari when you beat them last year, you know, they spent a yeah. lot of money to bring you over. Uh, so I, I love I love the guy. His personality is great. He's a fun That's driver to watch. I don't know that he'd be doing any better at Alpine, you know, yeah. than if, than he is at McLaren. But I think he's been probably overall underperforming. But it's kind of been all over the map. He's been consistently underperforming in qualifying. There's no doubt about that. Um, his race day, you know, pace has been a little bit better. But I still, it's still touch and go. I think McLaren would love to have more of a Ferrari, what's going on Ferrari yeah. where their guy they brought in is catching up very quickly to their yeah. main guy. Yeah. I, I have um, been really impressed with that too. Yeah. We'll so, yeah. So uh F1's starting their uh summer break. Um so they're off until I think three or four weeks. And then they'll be back for the Belgian Grand Prix at uh, Spa, which is one of the all time yeah. great racetracks. Okay. So um until then we'll be back next week with some of news and and uh and maybe a few kind of thematic episodes in there we'll have to see but uh we'll have a little break from f1 for a while so anything else you wanted to add buddy no great race a lot to talk about i think we hit the highlights yeah <laughs> it was go, go watch the highlights on youtube it's there it was it was it's epic pretty awesome it'll make for a a good drive to survive episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, we'll be back next week. Until then, be sure to um, you know like us, 
subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, rating, uh, all that stuff really helps us. Uh, find us on Instagram at the Blow Off Out Podcast. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week.